Like Brenna already said that we like to say that we're not a church with groups, but a church of groups. So we would love that opportunity to help you connect in biblical community. And that group link is next Sunday, right after the 1045 service out there on the lawn. Before we jump into today's sermon, uh, I know that I've talked to several teachers and they got back in the classroom uh, this week. So what I want to do is if you are a teacher, an administrator, a student, uh, any of those, I want to pray for you uh, right now. And so I believe that Satan's one of the primary attacks other than the home is in uh, the classroom, in the schools. And so that's why we have uh, Journey Kids Village, a preschool. We want to pour into the next generation because I strongly believe that uh, they are important to Jesus, so they're important to us. So from the youngest all the way into nursery, all the way up to our college students that are moving in, would you join me in praying for the administrators? the teachers, students, and all those who are connected, heck, even the parents who are sending off their kids uh, this next week. So would you pray with me? Father God, we love you so much. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity for educating uh, the next generation. God, we pray that we would be intentional in this next season as we uh, students come back to the classroom, teachers are prepping for them, uh, administrators are preparing. God, this is a crazy week for so many. So many parents are preparing to send off their uh, student to college for the very first time, and it's exciting but heart-wrenching. And God, we pray for your blessing over each one of those individuals, each one of those lives, and God, that this next season would be a time of growth for them, and that for for many, as they move into Jonesboro or even start back to school, God, that you would use this next season to draw them to yourself. God, we pray for uh, godly, faithful followers of Jesus in the administration, in the classroom, for those students going back, that they would be bold enough to live out their faith in an authentic way. God, we pray that you would just do more than we could ever ask or imagine, and this next time would be a time of, of just peace and wholeness and fruitfulness uh, in the lives of so, so many because you showed up. And when you show up, things cannot stay the same. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's word, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four this morning. Ephesians chapter four. This week is a standalone week of sorts where we're kind of calling it Vision Sunday, where we're kind of asking the question as a church community, what does God have next for us? Next just meaning this next season of, of life and, and ministry. And, and we're asking the question of, of ourselves and of, of God, like, God, what do you want to do in our lives as a, a body of believers, in our lives as individuals, as our lives as families, and, and ultimately in our world, how do you want to use us? How do you want to show up in power in ways that only you can and I get it, like talking about raising your expectation a little bit, you're thinking, Daniel, honestly, I was just trying to get out of the house and get the kids checked into kids' men so I could get coffee before the second song. Like, uh, you're talking about raising our expectation of what God wants to do, not only in my life individually, but ultimately the world wasn't really on my radar. But we've honestly all had these stories that we could talk about where we just simply come to the conclusion or come to the question, if you will, of asking ourselves or other people, like, why am I here? And I know that you probably went like very existentially deep and thinking like, okay, why am I here on this planet? What's the purpose of my life? But I'm thinking like very elementary level of why am I here? Like the question that I ask myself every time I walk into a Waffle House, 
Like, why did I end up here? Because there's this experience that we've all experienced like walking into a Waffle House. And if, if the awful waffle, as I call it, is your favorite spot, it's one of mine too. But I'm led to that question when I walk in the first time, every time. Because I open the door and it's like I, I stepped off the airplane from the Bahamas and the, the southern humidity just swallows me. But it's grease humidity in Waffle House. And then you take your first step and your, your foot's kind of stuck. So you got to kind of give it a little extra, extra giddy up and it, you're just stick, stack, stick, stack all the way to your seat. You glance over in the corner, there's dead bugs. And you're thinking, if it did that to them, what's it doing to me? And you're sitting down and you, 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 the, the menu's got syrup on it and you're like, okay, why are we here? And then you order the all-star special. <laughs> Smothered, covered, dash, whatever you like to do. And then you throw peanut butter chips on that waffle. And maybe some chocolate if you're feeling a little sassy, all right? Like both and, you got a, like a Reese's peanut butter cup waffle going on and you start to enjoy it and you're like, okay, this, this is why I'm here. And the question that I wanna ask us this morning is as the church, as, as Journey, what, what is, what's our all-star special? What's the reason that we're like, this is why we're here? And ultimately, we is just the, the question of the church in general. Like, why are we here? So if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope you met me there already. If you aren't, hustle up. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. It says this, therefore, I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Let's stop right there. In verse one, Paul uses this language of walk in a manner, walk in such a way. He's not talking about a Sunday afternoon stroll. He's talking about the way we live our lives. That verb that's used there to walk is a, uh, a depiction, a metaphor of the way in which we live our lives. And the whole Bible uses this all throughout. It's to live in such a way that honors the Lord. But what is the calling to which we have been called? Well, Paul's talked about it in the first three chapters of Ephesians where it's the calling is to be faithful to Christ, to be faithful to the Lord, to live out the life of a Jesus follower. And we're called to that. We're called to this holiness. It's not about legalism. It's not about doing the right check boxes, but it's about living our lives in such a way that honors God and honors the calling that which we've been called. But how does that all work because the Bible calls it this big fancy word sanctification or you can just be more simple of it's becoming more like Jesus and how does this work how do I learn how do I learn to live in such a way that brings honor to who Christ is and it's twofold the first step in this process is that followers of Jesus those are those individuals who've made Jesus the leader of their life and forgiver of their sins or we say in churchy language all the times, Lord and Savior, who they have God's presence within them already. God has already declared them holy and righteous, blameless in his sight because of his Holy Spirit inside of them. They are his. But how does simultaneously Paul also get to say, but live like that? How do we get to be looked at by God and seen as righteous, but also God will say things in like Leviticus 19 too, be holy because I'm holy. 
Jesus says a phrase in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How do both of these things coexist to direct us to live differently? I'm glad you asked that question. Because the first step in sanctification of making it even possible, this process of becoming more like Jesus, is it cannot and does not occur without God's work. He is the one going to see the process of you and I becoming more like Jesus all the way to the end of the story. But second, that process in your life and my life does not happen without us being willing to submit ourselves to Christ, to associate ourselves with God and say, God, make me more like you. And this process takes a lot of patience on God's end and on our end when we're hoping another person that we're following Jesus with would become more like him. We have to be patient with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And this process many of the times is painstaking. But it summarized, I feel like, the best way possible in this old Christian prayer, which says this, Lord, we're not what we ought to be. We're not what we're going to be. We're not what we want to be. But thank you, we're not what we were. That it's this painstaking process of growing to become more like Jesus, to learn, as Paul says, to walk in a worthy manner. But it doesn't happen overnight. But this is how Paul desires it to happen. Verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul says four things there in verse two, where he says, the way that you need to become more like Jesus and live out this calling is with humility, with gentleness, with patience, and with love. And all four of those things lead to unity in verse three. And the goal is to be eager or zealous as the body of believers to be unified together in Christ. Because there is no unity without patience, love, humility, and all those things. There's no unity without it. There's no unity without the Spirit, which is why Paul says striving together or being eager in the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That we desire peace with one another. We desire unity with one another. But we don't always go about it to achieve it in the way Paul says with humility, patience, love. All those things are required as well because the reality for all of us, get ready to take this note down, you and I are needy. It's a fun word, right? Some of you are having flashbacks to like senior year of high school when your significant other said you're needy and that's why they broke up with you. It's okay, because we are. We all are. We're needy because you and I are not the body of Christ on our own. We need one another. We're needy because we can't even have unity on our own. That actually requires another person. (laughs) We're needy because we can't even be good enough on our own. We needed Christ for that. We're needy in way more ways than we like to admit, but we need one another. We need the Spirit of God. We need Christ. We're needy. But the beautiful thing 
about this passage of scripture is not only does God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the authorship of Paul, demand this of us to say this is a command, walk in a worthy manner and maintain unity. But he also models it. We're gonna look at verses four, five, and six in one verse at a time. There's a lot of numbers here, so like buckle up in this regard. This, these three verses echo the Trinity and they walk through it by declaring three sets of threes in each verse. So verse four is gonna have a set of three, verse five is gonna have a set of three, verse six is gonna have a set of three. And he walks through it by saying, spirit, son, father. Let's walk through it together. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. First set of three, there is one body, that's the church, which is made up because of the spirit of God. There is one spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, who brings about unity to the church and believers. And because of that one spirit, he is the one hope, the guarantee, as Christ calls him at the end of the gospel. He is the guarantee. What is he the guarantee of? Verse five, of the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism. He's the guarantee in verse four that Christ is gonna come again. The fact that you have the spirit of God living inside you because you're a follower of Jesus who's repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ alone for the salvation of your soul for all eternity, you have the one hope, but that one hope, who is it? It is what we've already read, verse five, the one Lord, that's Jesus. The one Lord who is the one faith. There's no other name that we have faith in, that we have hope in to, to save us from ourselves and to unify us together around. That's why we sing about Jesus. We talk about Jesus all the time. We celebrated baptism this morning in the New Testament all the time. When you're baptized into the church, you're actually baptized into the body of Christ, which says one baptism. We're baptized into him to join the family of faith, but it's only through Jesus that we get to join that family. And then well, who's over all that? Verse six, and there's one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This third set of three in verse six is actually framed up by this twofold statement, one God and father. But the three phrases is the alls. It's all really wordy. Did you catch my pun there? Okay. Who is over all, that is God the father, he is overall in the sense of he sent Jesus. He commanded creation. He spoke everything that hasn't or wasn't into being. He's the creator God from the beginning who made all things. And through all, he made all things. And then he wills it all to work for an eternal good purpose. And he's in all. So the three is spirit, son, father, all in unity together, working in a powerful way, that the unity of the church and our neediness solution isn't us just willing it into being. It's an eternal, valuable, spiritual matter that Christ not only commands, but modeled for us in the Trinity. That in the Trinity's working together of how they work, they are modeling for us and actually inviting us in to their already pre-existent unity. Because the church isn't sitting outside the working of God, it is the working of God. That we're actually being invited in. And so the invitation for 
all of us and the target for the church is this. Together, become more like Jesus and do what he did. Together, become more like Jesus and do what he did. It seems simple, but it's right here in the scriptures of the target of us, the target of all followers of Jesus for all time. This is what it is. It's not a solo mission. The first word, don't miss it, together. But we're not supposed to be on our own mission, like I'm just following Jesus, reading my Bible, doing my thing. Like, no, it's, it's a together mission. So where do we start in this together mission? Jump down to verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Verses 12 and 13 are the descriptor, or almost the marching orders for New Testament church leaders. That There's four, four or so questions that I want to ask of these two verses. That the first one is this. What are the church leaders' jobs? What are the church leaders' jobs? Well, it's answered in the first phrase, to equip, to equip. That word equip is in the original language, a medical word that means to set a bone, to set a bone. And it's to set it in such a way for proper growth or for maximum healthy growth. And because my hope is as one of the church leaders, as the pastor of this church is that you and I would grow towards Jesus. Not that simply we would fill the seats every time we gather, but you would grow to become more like Jesus. Because as the early church grew, they, they grew in their faithfulness to Jesus, their knowledge of him, and they began to live it out amongst the community they were placed in. And then the Holy Spirit added to their number. So faithfulness, verse one, remember, walk in a worthy manner. That's all of our individual target statements. So my job, our job as a church staff and the elders who oversee this church is to ensure that we are being set in position for proper growth. And where's that growth head us? Towards Christ. And our process here at Journey is, is simple. You've probably heard the three G's. It's written out in the lobby. And it's all over the place. Get closer, grow deeper, go further. Get closer to one another, grow deeper in Jesus, go further in the Great Commission. And the heart behind each one of these identity statements is that we would never graduate from any of them. That all followers of Jesus should be pursuing these core identities as what it means to actually follow Jesus. As our target statement for this message, together become more like Jesus and do what he did. So the, another question about verse 12. Well, who is needing the equipping or who gets equipped, if you will? Well, that's an easy answer. The saints. You may ask, well, who's the saints? Well, if you ask that question, it's you. Followers of Jesus, that's who gets equipped. But what do they get equipped for? Or equipping for what? The answer was the work of the ministry. And many followers of Jesus would be like, wait, I think that's what you do. You work at a church, you do the ministry. Well, the reality is, is that the church and everything the church does, Sunday morning services is a ministry, but the original word simply means an assignment, an assignment for service. And what's implied here is that every member has a ministry. It means I'm talking to you, an assignment. Your assignment in this season of your life may look like being a student or a mother 
or an, a business owner, an educator, an administrator, a lawyer, or whatever you do on a day-to-day. It doesn't have to be at a job place. An assignment, and that assignment is to live as a faithful follower of Jesus right where God's placed you. There is an individualistic nature in this, that you have an assignment that may look differently than mine. That the person sitting on your right or left may have a different assignment than you have. And that's okay, because the ultimate purpose is what brings the body together. So what is the purpose of the equipping? It's the building up of the body of Christ, is that when one body part gets better, it all gets better. But we're all called to grow together in unity towards Christ for the benefit of the kingdom of God expanding. And Paul says in verses 14 and 15 that the purpose in this context is so that you and I don't go easily pulled from one thought to the next. That we have a firm enough foundation rooted in Christ that we're not just caught off guard by the next cultural idea or next false doctrine. And then he goes into verse 16, the last verse we'll look at today. That the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that it builds itself up in love. There's three things I want you to know if you're taking notes. There's three things I want you to know. The first thing is this, is that we are all needed in the body. We are all needed in the body. That none of us should be able to look at another individual in our body of Christ, our small C church, journey church, and say, yeah, they're not needed. That means from every skill level, capability, mental capacity, everything, Five months old in the nursery, needed in the body. Someone who has a more limited capacity, needed in the body. And that means it's right. When you're looking in the mirror before you get up to go to church and questioning like whether I should go or not, needed in the body. Every single one of us are needed in the body. And then number two, we all have a role in the body. We have a part to play. We all have an assignment, if you will, in our lives, but also I would say that in this community, in this faith family, if you will, we all have an assignment. We all have a role. Some of them are defined with a a title of like second grade small group leader or journey group leader or usher, sound booth. Others aren't. But we all have a a role to play in this regard. And then number three, that the ultimate function, we are all called to grow together into Christ. That the goal is to, to grow towards Christ and help others along in that process. Because it's not a solo mission. It's not, well, sit and soak and then everybody else can figure it out. That we should feel this responsibility for one another. So if you call Journey Church your church community in this next season of, with the target statement of together become more like Jesus and do what he did, I wanna focus on the first word together and give you two challenges this morning that are uber practical and another that hopefully will stretch you. 
The first one is this, is my challenge for you is to simply make Sunday mornings a priority. In this next season, would you focus on making, gathering together with your fellow members who all have their own assignments throughout the week to gather together to sing to one another and to Christ ultimately. To pray with one another. To hear the teaching of God's word with one another. And if you don't have a serving role on the opposite hour that you sit, would you consider jumping in and serving? And I know that some of you think, well, I have a, I'm a journey group leader during the week or I serve on Wednesday nights and that's the exceptions. For many of us, the normal flow would be to sit one and serve one by making Sunday mornings a priority of saying together, I'm needed, I have a role, I have a function, we're growing towards Christ together. And then number two, making journey groups a priority. We all know we want community. We need community in our lives. We need somebody to encourage us that knows us by name, who knows our story, praying for us, asking us about how that doctor's appointment went or how your kid's soccer game went, how that hard meeting at work went. We know we, we need that in our lives. We also need other people encouraging us and challenging our growth in Jesus, holding us accountable to reading scripture, loving our family well. We want that in our life. We, we, we want that, like, yes, that would be, I need people like that in my corner. But you also need to be that for other people. We desire for you to experience that biblical community so you can be loved, known and valued in a real practical and spiritual way. And we have a great opportunity for you to plug into GroupLink. You've already heard it multiple times, but next Sunday after the 1045, be a way to do that. But for many of you, I realize that those first two things that you're like, check and check. I'm good. This is a great Sunday. No challenge. I'm good. We go to lunch now. Let's go. But if you're already doing these two things, here's my prayer for you and challenge towards you for this fall as we enter in. If the first word is together, who can you invite along with you? Who can you invite to sit with you in a service? Who could you invite with you who's not serving to serve with you? Who in your neighborhood, in your workplace, who's a parent on your kid's soccer team that you can invite along with you. Say, hey, I got a seat next week. It's got your name on it. May we no longer or not ever be a church community that says, hey, we got a website. We got a sign out front. They know when we meet, they'll show up. But rather become more like Jesus and do what he did and go after them. Because our all-star special isn't a website, isn't lights, isn't fog, but it's together following Jesus to become more like him and do what he did. So as we enter into this prayer time, my invitation for you is that you would pray to the Holy Spirit to challenge you in one or more of these ways. So if you get, would, would you get in a prayer posture? 
that you feel comfortable with in this moment. There's four simple prayer prompts that I wanna walk you through and invite you or challenge you to pray if you would be so bold. There's gonna be prayer team members here on the sides. If you would like one of them to pray with you or for you in these things that you feel free to go at any moment from here forward to grab them by the hand and ask them to pray with you. They'll also be hanging around after we're done here. The first one is this, prompted just from verse one. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas of your life where you are not living in a manner that is worthy, where you still got growth to go? We all got growth to go. And could you pray this prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, help me both position myself and be so bold enough to take the faithful steps that you're calling me to, to live a worthy manner. That may look like repenting of sin. That may be changing some things practically in your life. But would you just pray that prayer of, Lord, help me see the areas that I so need growth in. And would you come and help? Second, straight from verse three, would you pray for our body, that, that first word together, for unity in it? Holy Spirit, would you help us be unified? Would we be eager, not for self-promotion, not for our wants over another's, but for unity? May we be zealous for unity as we grow together towards Christ. Third prayer prompt, would you pray for a practical next step? That if you're able to simply make Sunday mornings a priority of serving this body and by sitting and attending one service and then serving in the next wherever that you're needed and that your gifts and skills and talents can be used, would you say like, Lord, help me take that next step. Let me just do it. And then fourth and final, would you pray for the Holy Spirit to bring to mind someone that you could invite along? It may be inviting them to your journey group, to sit with you in service. It may be an invite to serve with you. Would we care about others' growth as much as we do much of the time about our own? Would you simply pray the prayer, God, would you just bring people to mind that I could go after, that I could invite, that I could just seek out and invite them to take next steps. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for not abandoning us, but rather being our hope and guarantee that Jesus one day is coming again, that we have an eternal home with him. And our assignment while we're here, our ministry while we're here, is to live faithful right where you've positioned us, to become more like Jesus and do the things he did. God, we pray this next season of our church that we would care more about our brothers and sisters and growing together wherever you lead us. 
God, may we be a church filled with brothers and sisters who love each other, who are patient with each other, who are humble with each other, who are eager to maintain unity and see it as an opportunity to serve them, to sit with them, to care for them, and they are doing the same for us. Jesus, challenge us, stretch us, grow us, make us become more like you. In your holy, precious name, we pray. Amen.